Spring of Life Fellowship and the vision of changing the world invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Let's listen to our guest. God bless you. Good morning. I'm so excited to have the chance to share with you guys uh, this morning as our pastor is in South Africa. You know, if we're going to change the world, we might have to leave Doral, Florida. We might have to go a little further than Hialeah, I'm afraid to say. But our pastor is way in South Africa, and he sends us, uh, all of us here, his love, and he misses us. And... um, You know, I'm excited to share this message particularly because when I first heard that I was leaving to Milwaukee, um, God started to put a word in my heart. And usually when I start preparing messages, I like to have on my iPhone uh, a little note where I just put sermon ideas. And I put this idea down one day, and for about the past three months, it's slowly but surely been growing and growing and growing. And now, just last night, I was getting up at three in the morning as God would give me a little bit more out of my bed, and I'd go type it up, then go back to my bed, and then get up and type a little bit more, because God was saying, hey, get it while it's hot. And uh, so I'm very excited to share with you guys this message. Um, As Joy was saying, and as these guys have been saying, I have so much to look forward to in my life this year. Moving across the state to Milwaukee, this random little city that I never would have imagined, um, starting dental school, something that I've been pursuing for years upon years and years. Finally, I feel like I'm there, and the best of all, getting married. Stand up, Erica, and let them see how blessed I am. Hello. She is gorgeous and just, she's anointed. Just to give a little backstory on my own life, of my spring of life history, I remember a time when there was no spring of life, when It didn't exist. I remember when our pastor, Joaquin, got the vision and this calling from the Lord to start it. And we started it in this little, tiny, jam-packed house that we tore down all the walls. And we were meeting in this little house with the speakers up and and everything and the band up there jammed right next to the pastor. It was everyone just real nice and close. We got real close in those times. And then I remember we moved all the way over to Bird Road and 87th, this little hidden place next to a pet supermarket, a driving school, and a very sketchy Asian massage parlor that was like right across the hallway. It was like, okay, that is the bad place. Don't go there. It was, and then finally we moved to here. And here we are. And I remember starting, you know, as a kid in Sunday school. And like Joy was saying, you could ask Zuleika and Maggie, I was not the star student pastor's kid that you would expect. 
I remember this one story that I just feel so bad about when I did it. And I say this story all the time. And it's how Zuleika walks in the room, and I'm sitting there with my, my little gang of misfits. And um, she says, man, it smells so weird in here. And I turn and say, yeah, when you walked in. <gasps> and when I think of that, now I'm like, <gasps> Omar. I'm going to take you to the bathroom. That's what I would have done. But I was just, uh, you know, like the little Sunday school troublemaker. And then I moved on from there into youth group, where for many years I was straddling the fence. I really couldn't care about the preaching, about the worship. The two things on my mind were hanging out with the friends that I had and girls. I took it upon myself to be the welcoming committee for any new girls looking to find the Lord Jesus Christ. And I would help them. And that was my calling. And that's all I cared about. Even into my college years, a few of them, I was straddling the fence one foot in the church, you know, going to the services, going every Sunday, in and out in youth group, uh, even helping in youth group, but outside of church, I could say that I was not the same person. I just wasn't. But then God. Isn't that a powerful sentence? But then God one day tugged on my heart, and he spoke to me, and I felt his call upon my life for the first time on my own, not my parents' call, not my uncle's call, but my own life. And from that day forward, I made this simple decision to go all in, to not look back, to if I was capable, I would say, yes, I'm here, Lord, use me. Now, I'm not going to for a minute lie to you and say that I'm perfect or that I've made it to the top of the hill, that I'm the finished product. Because let me tell you, God is not finished with me yet, by far. And I believe that I still have a lot of growing, a lot of maturing to do. But what I have learned over the years here at Spring of Life, from the beginning all the way till now, I wanted to share with you this morning. And you see, what I've been able to do is I've had this special front row seat over these years to watch these men of God before me in public and in private. I've watched men like Pastor Joey Torres here serving with his wife. I remember when he wasn't in a ministry. He was new with his wife here. And I've seen them grow into this flourishing ministry that they have now. I've had the privilege of watching the life of Pastor Jose Palma, who used to be my math tutor, okay? He would come to my house when he was in college and teach me math. He then later became my youth pastor, who I learned so much from. Also, Pastor Kenny Hanau, who I've had the honor and privilege to serve along with and right under for many, many years, starting in the worship ministry to now in the Living Stones, where we serve together every Saturday night. And it's been the perfect 
match. I mean, we finish each other's sentences. We think the same. It's been perfect, and we've had a blast doing it. To my own father, who is one of those people, you know, that you can't see cry without crying yourself. Only two people have that power over me, him and Pastor Joaquin. If I see them cry, I can't, I can't hold it in. <laughs> but I've been obviously able to watch my own father in my, in my home and here at church. In, and I look up to him in so many ways as a leader, as a father, as a husband. And I hope when I grow up, I'm like him. <laughs> And finally, to my own uncle, Joaquin Molina, who I've seen from the starting of this church to now, protecting me, watching over me, teaching me, mentoring me, giving me footsteps to follow in after. So watching these guys, I've been able to see what it takes, what it takes to make it, what it takes to be a world changer, and what it means to be a soldier a soldier and that's the title of my message today turn to your neighbor and say soldier you get you get what i did there soldier okay do i have to explain it are you guys with me sol spring of life soldier how to be a world changer you see you could wear the gear you could go to the bookstore right now and for a good price, get yourself a World Changer t-shirt. You can even get a Nike polo with the logo on it. You could go there and for free, get a sticker and slap it on your car and drive around Miami. You could even be on the team serving week in and week out but that doesn't make you a soldier. That doesn't make you a soldier. But this morning, I wanna to talk to you about what a soldier is, what kind of attitude a soldier has, what kind of character a soldier has, and what kind of things a soldier needs to know in his heart to be a world changer. And like I said, I don't know everything. I'm still growing, and I have a lot to go. I'm not even married yet, and I heard that that is a character molder. <laughs> and I'm looking forward to it, because like I said, hello. And, you know, but what I have learned, the little that I have learned, before I leave this Thursday on a plane to Milwaukee to start my program, I wanted to share with you guys. I want to share with you guys the essentials of what I've learned, of what it takes to be a soldier. I know some of you here may be sitting here, maybe you're new to the church, maybe you're new to Christian life, and you're like, man, I just enlisted, you know, what, what's going on here? I, you are a soldier in training, and I believe that even for you, God has a word for you, and that God has something special for each one of you. So if you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write in there what it takes to be a soldier. And make sure to make the SOL in capital letters, okay? Let's do this right. Statistics show that if you take notes in church, even on your 
iPhone. You're more likely to get into heaven when you die. So take good notes. I mean, it kind of makes sense, right? If God is going to speak, we might want to write it down. That's, that's, that's how I think. I don't know about you. I have a, a little bit of ADD, and I may think of something, and then in a few hours, like, dang, what was that life-changing point that I heard at church today? I totally forgot. It changed my life. What was it? You know how it is. Hey, how was church this morning? Oh, it was awesome. Yeah, what they share about? It was, you know, it was world-changing, man. It was world-changing. So number one, a soldier is planted in the house of God. A soldier is planted in the house of God. You know, the Bible calls us to be planted in his house so that we could flourish. But so many people are playing musical chairs with churches. And they're going around church from church to church to church. Oh, I don't like this. I didn't like that. I didn't like what he said. I didn't like how he looked at me. I didn't like what she was wearing. And they're playing musical chairs all around these churches all around the city. They're not planted. What it means to be planted, it means to have roots that grow down deep. You should always be growing in two directions, okay? Up, and that's where people could see your fruits. These are things that people could see. And you should also be growing down in your commitment to the Lord in your heart, in your love for his church. So that's two directions. Turn in your Bibles, please, to Matthew 13. And we're going to read this parable of the soil. And we're just going to read one of them, and we're going to start in verse 5. So in your Bibles to Matthew 13, 5, it's talking about this farmer that is sowing seeds. And he said that some of these seeds fell on stony places. If you need to know today, I'm going to be using the NIV version of the Bible. So some of these seeds fell on stony places where they did not have much earth. They didn't have much soil. And what did it do? It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. In verse 6 it says, But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they were withered. Why? Because they had no root. They had no root. And you see, the disciples, you should be comforted because the disciples weren't the smartest kids on the block. Okay, they were like, okay, so no roots. That's good, Jesus. What are you talking about? So Jesus goes on in verse 20 to fully explain what he's talking about in this particular uh, seed that sprang up quickly but was scorched because it had no roots. It says the, f the seeds falling on rocky ground refer to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. So they're real excited. As soon as they receive it, they're pumped. They're springing up real quick. But in verse 21, it says, since they have no roots, they last only a short time. And why is this? When trouble or persecution comes, because 
of the word, they quickly fall away. Can you believe that? Why is it? Because of the word, the word of God. As soon as something comes their way, as soon as a little pressure comes on them to change, to mold their character, as, few, as soon as a little correction comes their way, like, hey, let's make a little adjustment here in your life, they wither away like this because they have no roots. They're not planted. And I've sadly seen this time after time after time throughout my years here. You know, people that you think are on board. I mean, these people are the inner circle of the inner circle. They are soldiers. They serve on the team. But the reality is that beneath the soil, they have no roots. And when a little correction comes, you see that it's all been a lie. It's all been a show. They're fakers and hypocrites. When a little bit, all the talk goes out the door when they can't walk the walk. You see, it's because of the word. If you don't have your roots going down, when a word comes into your life, if you're not ready for it, you'll wither away. When a word of correction, when a word of molding your character comes your way, if you have no roots, you will wither away. Now, you don't have to lift up your hands, but have you ever been stabbed in the back by a friend? You know that feeling, that gut-wrenching feeling? That's how it's felt every time. Because you think, man, these guys are my soldiers. These guys will go to battle with me. And then sure enough, a word comes, and they wither away, and you never see them again. If you're not planted, I've seen it happen time and time again. But guess what? We are moving forward. God has not left us even for a moment. We haven't faltered in our vision even for a moment. Our resolve is stronger than ever and our eye is on the goal. Amen? So if you've been hesitating to... Let down your roots in this house. Don't do that even for a moment because when a word of God comes to your life and it doesn't rub you the right way, you will wither away and you'll lose it in a second. So if you've been here for years and you've just kind of lightly been here, like just ready to go at a moment's notice, it's time for you to let your roots down and be planted in the house as God commands us to do. It's not a suggestion, it's a command, and it's for your betterment. It's for the betterment of your life and for your families that you have roots planted deep in his house. And let me tell you, this is a good house to do that in. And I'm just not saying that. I've been around. If you want to go on a church appreciation tour, just just go around some of the churches here in our town. There's a lot of good ones, but man, I thank God when I look at our church and some other ones out there every day. So let me just tell you that you cannot grow unless you are planted in the house. You can't grow. You might shoot up quickly, but a little persecution comes your way. A word of God comes your way. And you just tumble right over. 
You can't grow unless you're planted in the house of God. That's number one. Number two, a soldier does whatever it takes. A soldier does whatever it takes. Now, throughout the years, we've had some amazing events here at Spring of Life. What do you say? I mean, amazing events. We've had some skits in this place. Man, where there's been, this stage doesn't even look the same. I'm talking about it looks, we made it look like the pits of hell one time with a cockroach and everything. One time we made it look like there was a castle over here and Melissa Gill was with her head sticking out singing. I mean, what the? We've had some amazing worship nights in this place. I mean, most recently, Fan the Flame. Oh, my. If you were there, I'm still in shock. We had so many problems at Fan the Flame. So many problems. We didn't have enough chairs for all the people that came. We didn't have enough food for all the people that came. We had Chinese rice and crepes because we had to order Chinese rice so quick. So many young people came and filled this house and were screaming the name of Jesus. Most recently, our 15-year anniversary. Wow. Wow. When I looked at the room filled with the family that is this church, I was in awe of what God did. The mayor of Doral gave us a day, an official day. It's called World Changer Day. I mean, that, that blows my mind, what God did. But let me just tell you something. Sweat, blood, and tears for every single one of those events. The little videos that you see up there, hours upon hours upon hours, grueling hours, if you've ever edited a video, with, which most of you gladly have been spared from, it is tedious work. It is super hard. Those beautiful stages that we've had up here, back-breaking work, where guys have, you know, filled up with Bengay for a week after building these things. You see this gigantic screen that we have up here? It's just beautiful. Yo, pone un clavito ahí, y ahí, yeah, ponlo ahí. You think it's, it's easy like that, right? To put that little screen up there, hours of like 10 men trying to lift this thing up there and like put it perfectly so it wouldn't smash on the ground. To have that thing right up there for all of us to see the word of God. And these videos, it's like going to an IMAX theater when we come here. Compared to what we had, it was like a little... A plasma screen TV in the corner. You're like, the old people are like, I need to get new glasses because I can't see that. But now we're like, we got to sit in the back. To have that thing blood, sweat, and tears because we will do whatever it takes. Whatever it takes to get the job done. That whatever the task at hand is, it would be done to the best of our ability. That we would be good stewards of what God has given us. But let me ask you a question. Are you going to have a whatever it takes attitude? Whatever it takes to be obedient to God's word. Whatever it takes to reach the people that God has called you to reach. Whatever it takes 
to save your family. By that I mean fighting for your family. Tooth and nail fighting. Whatever it takes, no matter the cost. I've seen so many men like my father, like Joey, like Kenny, fighting for his family. Most recently, George Carrigo, who's come to this church, who's been fighting tooth and nail for his family. Because he's seen the eye of the enemy. And he knows that the devil is not playing for games. He's not playing for fun. He's playing for keeps. He wants to kill and destroy your family. He's just waiting at the door for an opportunity for a window to open, to pounce in, to jump in and take your sons and take your daughters and take your marriage. Are you willing to do whatever it takes? George Carrigo has been fighting to be able to have men of God speak into his kid's life. Most recently as this weekend when his 15-year-old daughter, Adriana, had her quinces on Friday, who I had the honor of, of being a part of. And if you've been missing our pastor, let, let's show this quick video of what our pastor had to say to Adriana on her 15th birthday. Hey, Adriana, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina and Yvette from South Africa. And we are so excited about your celebration for your 15-year uh, quinceañeras. And you are as pretty as a rose. And we bless you and want the greatest plans of God to be fulfilled in your life. And so we're excited, and you are a true world changer. Adriana, happy birthday. We love you. I'm sorry we could not be there, but we are changing the world here just like you're doing it over there. Have a great time tonight. May God use you in abundance as you're young. Let no one uh, take advantage of the fact that you're young. You have been an example, and you will continue to be an example as you grow. May God bless you. We love you. God bless you. See you later. Whatever it takes to fight for your family. I'm talking to the men of the house right now. Whatever it takes. You see, the devil's just waiting at the door for just a foothold. All he needs is to throw a small seed in there. A seed of bitterness. A seed of doubt. A seed of anger. That's all it takes. It'll start to grow, and you'll see it to one day take your family. Let me tell you that it takes sacrifice. Are you willing to do whatever it takes? It sounds exciting, right? It sounds like a call to arms. As I'm talking, I feel like Braveheart, William Wallace. You will never take our freedom. It sounds super exciting. It gets you pumped up. But let me ask you something, soldiers, as our pastor would say, Mr. Mister. <laughs> are you willing to take time off work? Turn to your neighbor and go, ooh, snap. Are you willing to take time off work to take your whole family on a family retreat? 
Sounds easy, right? It sounds good. But when you start tugging on the wallet there, things get hairy. No matter how much money you're going to lose on those days of work, let me tell you that it's priceless. It's priceless. Money cannot afford what we receive at these family retreats. We're getting it for cheap. We're getting it for cheap. God has blessed us so much. Are you willing to do what it takes? Are you willing to take your son who looks like he's just hating everything about life to a father-son retreat? No matter what it takes. Let me tell you that my life was changed by a father-son retreat. I'll never be the same after a retreat I took with my dad. Our relationship has never been the same since that retreat. Are you willing to do whatever it takes? That's number two. Number three, and this is going to be a little short one, but it's an important one. A soldier is not on a solo mission. We were not designed, God didn't make us to do this on our own. Even Jesus himself had an inner circle of 12 guys that he went everywhere with. Sure, he had his 5,000 people that would follow him around for the food and miracles, but he had his inner circle at all times. Who do you think you are to think you're going to do it alone? You think you're Rambo? Even the Lone Ranger had Tonto, okay? We were not designed to do this alone. At all times, we have three layers of people surrounding us. The first one are the people behind us. And this means the people that are looking up to you. There's always young people looking up to you. And when you become aware of that fact, that's when you start to leave behind you a legacy. Not only for your sons and daughters, but for the young orphans that are in this house. Then you have the people by your side. And these are your peers. And these are the people that most often influence you the most. Your peers will either elevate you or lower you. I have been so blessed to have a, a group of, of guys around me all my years that have always been elevating me. Guys like Marcos, my best man at my wedding. Ariel, Richard, Chris, Eric, all these guys. I couldn't have done it without them. I couldn't have done it without them. And then you have the people ahead of you. And these are the people that you're always looking up to. These are the guys that you're following after. Men like the pastors I've been talking about this morning. The soldiers. These are the elite. These are the men that I've been looking up to. These are the men that I stand on their shoulders to be able to do what I've been able to do because of them. Because they've blazed a trail for me. They've gone ahead of me. They've given me footsteps that I could follow in after. 
It's so important for you to look around to these three layers of people and reevaluate things because it's going to decide where you go. The Bible says that bad character, that bad company corrupts good character. It's the people that surround you that are going to decide your direction in life. So if you have peers on your left and on your right that are bringing you down, I suggest that you make a few changes. I suggest that you start to put your eyes on the young men and women that are coming behind you. And I suggest that you start to look ahead of you to men of God that have gone before you, that are world changers, that are soldiers. I hope that this is helping somebody this morning. Number four. A soldier gives honor where honor is due. What I'm talking about specifically this morning is the honor that we give to our leaders. Look up at the screen and let's look at 1 Timothy 5.17. And it says that the elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor especially those who work, whose work is preaching and teaching. Double honor. If you study that word, the double honor, it gives you a picture of these weight balances. That when you start to weigh things in your life to make a decision, you go to these men of God, what they say, you give them double the weight than anything else. Double the weight. That's what they're due, the Bible says. And so often, we tend to feel like these guys are against us. That they're out to make your life a living hell. That's so often our tendency because you see, they're not doing things the way we would do them. They're not sending us in directions that we would like to be sent in. But you know what? It comforts me when that happens. It comforts me when I go to my leaders, my father, my pastors, and they send me in a direction that I wouldn't have picked myself. Because that means that I was probably going to go down a route to destruction, to something that wouldn't have turned out good in the end. And let me tell you, man. Parents are always right. I mean, it kills me to say because you want to walk and be like, I was right the whole time. <laughs> no. You fall on your face every time, and it happens with the pastors too. I've seen people come in too for counsel to, to see Pastor Joaquin. I've been sitting in the room, and they say, listen, let's do this in your life. Let's do this for your family. They're like, no, you know what? We're going to go in a different direction. And I just grab the popcorn out and watch because sadly but true, every time it does not work out for them. It just doesn't work out because they don't give double honor. They don't give honor where honor is due. Just remember one thing, they're on your team. They're for you, not against you. That's what my mom used to say to me when she was telling me something I didn't want to hear. We're on your team, Papo. I'm like, why are you ruining my life then? <laughs> but they were on my team the whole time. The whole time they were watching out for me. And it's all about the way that we receive the words that they give us. Giving them double honor. 
You know, most recently I'm riding in the car with my beautiful fiance, Erica Gonzalez. And uh, I don't know, I had my phone out and she sees her name on there. And it was written, Erica Gonzalez. Her name, that's it. And she's like, that's it? Erica Gonzalez? No hearts, no nothing, no special, you know, love of my life, boo-boo. My little snuggle bunny, none of that. My white chocolate. No, just Erica Gonzalez. She's like, come on, spice it up a little bit. So I decided to put Erica, because it's all that fit. Erica, bride, and then three little hearts. But let me tell you something, that that changed our texting conversation. From that moment onward, every time she sent me a little text, it was like with a hint of love with it. Like, I'm leaving school right now. I love you. I just ate at Panera. I'm thinking of you. That's what those little hearts did for me. Even though she didn't say it, that's how I felt it. I was like, okay. That's what those hearts did for me because even though the message was the same, the way I was receiving it was different. And if we would only receive from the Lord and from our leaders in the same way that it's coming out of love, our life would be so much easier. If you see the words of counsel for your life coming out of a place of love instead of a place of hatred and against you, it will revolutionize your life. I promise you. Let's have the worship team come up because I'm on my last point. Just to go over them again, a soldier is planted in the house of God. A soldier does whatever it takes. A soldier is not on a solo mission. A soldier gives honor where honor is due. And my last point this morning is number five. A soldier knows that God is in control. I'm going to say that one more time because it's the most powerful point and it's, I believe, the most important point. A soldier knows that God is in control. No matter what the cost, no matter the situation, No matter how hard or difficult your trial is right now, no matter even the state of affairs in your finances or in your family, God is always in control. I want to read a quick story, and we still have plenty of time. Turn in your Bibles, please, to John 11. And I believe this is a powerful story that I want to leave you with. Let's start reading in verse 11. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Verse 1. Verse 1. John 11, verse 1, it says, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. 
This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, and this is what she sent to him. Lord, the one you love is sick. Pretty much saying, Lord, we have a problem. Verse 4, it says, when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So let's just recap the situation real quick. Lazarus. The man whom Jesus loves is sick. I'm talking about badly sick, right? Jesus loves Lazarus. So we have a problem. Jesus loves him. What's going to happen next? Jesus goes right away and heals Lazarus right in that moment. I mean, he said that it wasn't going to end in death, right? But let's read the next verse. So the sisters, so when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. That doesn't really go with our formula, right? That doesn't really sound like a loving God, right? Lazarus is sick. Jesus loves Lazarus. So Jesus stays sitting right where he was for two more days. In verse 7 it says, Then he said to his disciples, Let us go back to Judea. After he said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, and I'm going there to wake him up. Again, the disciples are not the smartest guys in the block. His disciples replied, Well, Lord, if they're sleeping, he'll get better. No. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, some people need plain talk. Lazarus is dead. Time out. Wait one second. Jesus, two verses ago you said that this will not end in death. And now you're saying Lazarus is dead. That doesn't fit for me. That doesn't sound like you're in control of the situation, God. In verse 15, it says, And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there. So wait, not only did you not show up, not only did you not save me, God, but you let my brother die, now you're glad that it happened? What's going on here? God, you're not in control. This doesn't make sense to me. Don't you love Lazarus? Don't you love me? He goes on to say, but let us go to him. Then Thomas said to the rest of the disciples, well, let us go then and die with him. A real Debbie Downer on the whole situation. 
In verse 17, it says, On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been dead in the tomb for four long days. Four long days, I mean, it was done, shut, situation closed, the door was locked, the, the stone was rolled, he was wrapped up, it was dead and gone. Lazarus was at the end. It was over for him. Now, don't ruin the story for your neighbor, but it's about to get good. In verse 20, now Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died, but even now I know whatever you ask of God, God will give you. But even now, but even now, Lord, and Jesus turned to her and said, your brother will rise again. If you continue reading in the story, you know that Jesus goes to the tomb and he shouts out, Lazarus, come forth. And sure enough, Lazarus stands up and walks out of the tomb. A situation that moments before was dead, gone, and wrapped up. It was over. But let me just tell you something. It's not over until it's over. It's not over until Jesus says it's over. And let me tell you, if Jesus is in it, it's not over yet. It's not over yet. Why? Because we know that God is in control. Amen? If you believe it, come on, let's stand up on our feet this morning. Let me tell you, God, even in death, we have the victory. Because God, when he died, when Jesus died on that cross and rose the third day, he defeated death. And we believe in this church, some of the beliefs that we have in this church is that God can revive dead marriages. I've seen it happen. God can bring to life sons and daughters who are lost. I've seen it. God can restore lost careers. I've seen it. God can bring to life broken families. I've seen it. If that's you, could you just lift up your hand and praise God right there where you're at? Thank you, Lord. And I'm going to echo David when I say, I was young and now I'm older, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken. Never have I seen the righteous forsaken. Did you notice what God said in this story? This sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory. It's in your most difficult time. It's through your hardest trial, in your darkest hour, that God will use you to change the world. Because that is when God is most glorified. If you want to be a soldier, know that God is in control. We in this church serve the God that could calm the storms with just a single word of his mouth the raging storms 
And let me tell you, the waves are going to come. The storms of life are going to come. Jesus warned us of that. But if you're a soldier, if you believe that God is in control, it's not over till it's over. It's not over until God says it's over. And if Jesus is in it, it's never over because he is the God of the resurrection. He brings to life what was once dead for four days, maybe for four years. What's been dead, God could bring to life in a word, in a moment, just like this. But let's put our trust in him. Let's put our faith in him. And I promise you that God will step into your situation right there where you're at he'll meet you right there where you're at and don't be confused I'm not saying that soldiers are perfect people but I am saying that soldiers are world changers and these are the people that are planted in the house of God these are the people that will do whatever it takes these are the people that are not in a solo mission these are the people that give honor where honor is due and these are the people that know that God is in control. If through this message, God has touched your heart, if a part of this message has reached you right where you're at, I want you to come forward and we have so many pastors that would love to pray for you. If you want to be a soldier, if you feel God's calling on your life to be a world changer, if you've been hesitating to plant roots here in this church, if you've been riding solo for many years, it's time for a change. If you haven't been believing that God is in control, it's time to put your trust in Him. God is faithful. Like I said, I've been here from the beginning and I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen God's faithfulness falter even for a moment. If that's you tonight, we have pastors that want to pray for you. The altar is open where you could have an encounter with God right now. As we sing this song, let's lift up our hands. Let's pray to God. And it's time that we all become soldiers. Would you open up my eyes so I